Joshua uh, chapter 1 and verse number 8. Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 8. Um, amen. I know we uh, took a night off last Wednesday just for the Thanksgiving holiday. And um, so it's been a couple of weeks since we've been on this subject. Um, and I think this is where we left off uh, Wednesday night a week ago. So let's read the passage and then we'll do just a bit of review um, to kind of connect everything together. Uh, Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. We're talking about genuine faith. And the Bible speaks of a faith that is genuine, and it also speaks of a faith, you know, that would not be genuine. And the Bible says we should check ourselves to make sure that, that we are in faith. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people um, who mean well, but you know, I'm not trying to offend anybody, um, but are not in faith. And, and I've, I've, I'll be the first to raise my hand. Um, I've been there before. And so this isn't to, uh, again, be a word of judgment or condemnation or anything like that. Um, it's, it's a word that I believe is needed in the body of Christ. And um, I think sometimes we, we throw around words like, um, I'm believing or I'm believing with you or uh, let's just agree together and these kinds of things. And, and we do that kind of lightly. Um, without really considering uh, what's involved and, and what real faith is, what real agreement is. And um, because of that, the enemy is, um, is getting an advantage over us that um, he should not be allowed to have. We know from Scripture that there is a very powerful dynamic that exists between the measure of faith that God gave you that's in your heart and the Word of God. We know that the faith that's in your heart is strengthened and fed, awakened and aroused when it hears the Word of God. And when we talk about genuine faith and what that looks like, we're talking about something that develops inside of you. The Bible says, Abraham being our example of this, that you know, God made him some promises that he struggled with believing for a while. And matter of fact, him and Sarah actually laughed first time God spoke those promises to them. And, and yet we see that over time, um, they grew in faith. They increased in faith, from faith to faith, and became strong in faith. And the Bible says they became fully convinced, or they became fully persuaded. And it was at that point of being convinced being persuaded inwardly that they then expressed and released that faith by outward action and these are the examples that we are to follow um, it concerns me that that people 
get frustrated with the whole concept of faith and, and give up on it um, because they don't really understand um, how it works, for lack of a better way of saying it. And, um, and I don't want that to be you. Now, we know that the enemy is afraid of you, and he's certainly afraid of the faith, the measure of faith that Father has placed in your heart. He can't steal that faith from you, so he's going to try to keep it weak and dormant, try to keep it from ever being awakened and strengthened. Um, but amen, he's not going to win that battle with us. Um, we are uh, well on our way. Amen. Now, we see that Joshua was given an impossible assignment um, as far as the strength of a man is concerned. Moses was one of the greatest leaders that ever walked the face of planet earth, even to this day still. One of the greatest leaders that ever walked the face of this earth. And Moses was not able to bring God's people into the promised land. Now, Joshua, his understudy, Moses is dead. Joshua is now given that assignment by God to complete this mission. And notice that the instructions that God gave to him had nothing to do with money. It had nothing to do with military. It had, it had nothing to do um, with, with government. In other words, I don't know what you may be facing in your life tonight. And I don't know what you may be thinking that you need to do. But consider Joshua for a moment. The position that he found himself in, you know, he relied on Moses. He would ask Moses questions. Moses isn't here to ask questions anymore, right? He's the, the leader now. He, he's the one that the responsibility has fallen upon um, to... Uh, and I'm not... Again, you have to understand... The Bible says that, that God, capital G-O-D, made Moses as God to Pharaoh. I mean, we're talking about a man who had been promoted by God to do a very, very strategic and important job. Something that, again, the world is still reaping the benefits from to this day. This didn't just involve their generation. This is something that impacted us. Amen. And so the weight of this now is on Joshua. And, um, you know, thank God they didn't have the internet in those days to, 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 to Google it, you know, uh, WebMD it, and, and all this other stuff. Um, but, you know, he's faced with a situation, and, and God tells him what he needs to do. And, and what he tells him to do is to get the Word of God in your mouth, get it in your heart and mind, and get it in front of your eyes, observe to do according to all that's written in it. And we made the point last time we were together, I'll make it again. I, I used to read this like it was some kind of points system. Like if you do that long enough and committed enough and serious enough and God finally sees you're serious, that He'll, he'll reward you with some kind of blessing or some kind of help or whatever. That's not, that's not what's going on here. Why would God tell him to make an uncommon commitment to his word? It's because the word of God is going to strengthen, grow, awaken, arouse, empower the faith that's in Joshua 
Because where God is taking them, only faith will get them there. Where God is taking them, you, you can't work three jobs and save enough money to buy one of those places. Are, are, you understand what I'm saying? Where, where God is trying to, to bring them, only faith can get them there. And so the, He didn't tell him to raise money. He didn't tell him to, to start training the military. He told him to get in the Word. And, and, and don't let it depart from your mouth. In other words, don't say anything that God hasn't said. And, and I know that, again, some people think that, that that's only when it's time to release our faith. But, but this is how we strengthen our faith. This is how we grow in faith. He said, you'll make your, your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. We're going to get to, I don't know if we'll get to, the, to it tonight, but I've been trying to get there for a few Wednesday nights now. But we've looked already just briefly at the different places in the Scripture where Jesus obviously was the source of healing, but those who were healed or made whole, Jesus looked at them and said, Your faith made you whole. Your faith made you well. Okay? So think in that same mindset when He says, to Joshua, you will make your way prosperous. You will have good success. Obviously, God is the source of their success, the source of their prosperity, and the source of those people's healing in the New Testament. But Jesus strategically said it was your faith. It was your faith that made the connection. It was your faith that produced the results. It was your faith that brought the answer. And I think this is uh, an Old Testament version of that same um, attitude when he tells him to immerse himself in the Word of God and the result of that will be he will make his way prosperous. And not God will make. He said you, Joshua, will make your way. I think the King James Version says your own way prosperous and then you will have good success. Turn with me to the Gospel of John. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Amen. Amen. In the first discipleship class, we talk about the things, in other words, to try to help people better understand what discipleship is. And one of the things we say is that discipleship is an uncommon commitment. Discipleship is an uncommon commitment. Now, obviously, you know, what's common uh, changes. It's ever-changing. Um, you know, there are things that are considered common now that were unheard of when I was a teenager. So I'm not here to go down that road and, and rail against those things. But the point I'm trying to make is if we're going to understand what an uncommon commitment looks like, we, we've got to get that from the Scriptures. Um, Jesus, in His Sermon on the Mount, He would point these things out 
And one of the things that he said is that if you are only nice to or only greet people who greet you or are nice to you, then what are you doing more than the others? Or what are you doing more than people who don't even claim to know God? And so, again, he's saying, you know, it's common for everybody to operate on this level, but we should be operating on this level. And when we talk about an uncommon commitment, tonight, I just, I'm going to already use that phrase a couple of times and maybe use it a couple of more. I just want you to begin to, you know, start turning that over in your heart and mind about making an uncommon commitment to the Word of God. An uncommon commitment. Um, you know, again, I'm not here to try to tell you what that may look like for you. If you never read the Bible, then an uncommon commitment in your life would, would be picking it up every day, right? Um, but if you're somebody who does read the Bible every day, m maybe we want to look at um, memorizing some of it. Or maybe an uncommon commitment for you would be to get you some uh, earbuds, or if you've already got them, uh, you know, get something, you know, other than what you've been listening to going in there. And, and get some anointed preaching, uh, you know, just some straight-up Word of God. But again, an uncommon commitment, because that's what God was saying to Joshua. He's like, Joshua, listen, now we're fixing to take this thing to the next level because I'm trying to take you to the next level, and the next level is going to require next-level faith. And, and so, it's, you know, he, he, he gave him, he spelled it out for him. I'm going to read this passage in John 15, but let me, let me say this last thing. And I, and I use this um, often. Matter of fact, I'm not exactly sure what the situation was, but I, I heard Pam having a conversation with somebody recently, and, and it might have been her sister. But, but when, when the prophet told Naaman to go dip seven times in the River Jordan, and he was offended at that and, and uh, left mad... And finally, his servant said, uh, you know, excuse me, sir, I know you're upset right now, but if he had asked you to do something hard, you would have done it. But he, he just simply said, go dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River and you'll be cleansed of a, of a disease that's slowly but surely killing you. Terminal illness here. Again, if he'd asked you to do something hard, you would have done it. But what he says to Joshua is not hard. It's, it's something that Joshua certainly had the capacity to do. And it's in our day and age, with, with all the technology, um, you know, we are better equipped to fulfill this um, you know, than ever before. Um, so again, don't let it depart out of your mouth. Don't say anything that disagrees or is out of alignment with what God has said, meditate in it. Meditate in it. I think the art of meditating the Word of God has been for many years stolen from the body of Christ, but I believe, praise God, it's making a comeback and a strong one, and I certainly pray that that's the case. Alright, John chapter 15. What we have in John 15 and 7 is basically um, the New Testament version of Joshua 1 and 8. It's Jesus speaking this time and He says, If you abide in Me 
and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Now, if we're not careful, this word abide will throw us. Because many times we make the mistake that Nicodemus made, and we try to understand what the Scriptures are saying from a physical perspective. Remember, you must be born again. His only thought was, how can a full-grown man go back into his mother's womb and be born a second time? Jesus wasn't talking about a physical birth. He was talking about something spiritual. So when he says to abide in me, and my words abide in you, okay? He's talking about something in you, something inside you, okay? And what we know is inside us is something the Bible calls our heart, and your heart is the combination of your spirit and your soul. Your soul is the part of you that thinks, the part of you that feels your emotions, and the part of you that makes choices, your will. So your mind, emotions, and will, that's your soul. So do you see when he, when he tells Joshua to meditate in the Word of God day and night and to not let it depart out of his mouth, he's saying, in essence, let that Word dwell in you. Let it abide in you. That word abide means to, to dwell, to remain. Amen. So the way we practically and successfully do this is an exercise of our mental faculties. In other words, he's talking about something here that is both deliberate and intentional. He's talking about deliberately setting your mind, setting your affections. Uh, you know, just like you would... I remember televisions before there were remote controls, right? I mean, me and Matthew were the remote control, right? But there wasn't many channels to choose from anyway. But you would set it, right? You would, you would turn a dial and set it on a channel. The thing would click into place. And we, we've got to learn how to set our minds on the Word of God and, and, and allow our, our minds to become saturated in that because what that's going to do is it's going to energize and strengthen our faith. The Word of God is living and powerful. And, it, and we've already established the dynamic that exists between the measure of faith you have and, and, and what happens when the Word of God comes in contact with it. But we also understand that the Word of God contains within it the power of God that would, would also, again, act like it's not just the seed that, makes, that, that, that interacts with the faith, but it also acts as fertilizer. If, if we could stay with the farming analogy um, for uh, your measure of faith. If you abide in me, again, if you're born again, you are in Christ. But what he's talking about here is maintaining a mental connection with him. You, I know some folks may disagree, and, and maybe it's just terminology, but the spiritual connection we have, he did that. Your born-again spirit and His spirit became one spirit. So that's not anything you could ever produce on your own. 
So when he says to us, if you abide in me, the if here is not whether or not you force your spirit to be one with his spirit or force his spirit to be one with your spirit. That can't be forced. God does that miraculously so when we're born again. The abiding part is something, again, that takes place in our minds where, where we stay in union with him. We stay in connection with him. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll do what? He'll give you the desires of your heart. What does delighting ourselves in Him look like on a practical level? In other words, if, if right now, if right now, and I'm being silly, maybe I shouldn't say this, but if right now your life depended upon you delighting yourself in God, what would you do to do that? Are you, are you following what I'm saying? I mean, would you just stand there and go, you know, I mean, in other words, it's, it, it doesn't, it's not, that's not it, Right? It's something inward. It's something in your heart. It's, it's setting your mind on Him. It's, it's, it's setting your mind on, on His Word. And, 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 and allowing that, you know, staying... What's the... Uh, there's a, a mass email company called Constant Contact, right? It's, it's maintaining that, that constant contact in your heart. See, the enemy wants... Remember we said this year we've used this expression or this, this, this terminology many times. But, but, but faith is when we align our thoughts, words, and actions with what God has said. That's walking by faith. Walking by sight is when we align our thoughts, words, and actions with, with what's going on around us, circumstances and situations. And, and, and so if, if we align our our thoughts, words, and actions with the way things look, seem, and feel. But what does abiding in Him look like? What does abiding in His Word look like? It's, it's aligning our thoughts, setting our minds upon Him, setting our affections upon Him. When troublesome, worrisome thoughts come, we don't take those thoughts by saying. But, but instead we say, let, let me step over here and say something right quick, right? And, and, we, and we start saying out of our mouths what God has said, what the Word has said. We start to, to meditate as well and, and I know um, this isn't Eastern religion. They stole it from, from God. Amen. But it literally means to mutter to oneself. And, and I, you know, chanting, all this other stuff, that's, I'm not, that ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Word of God. You, when he said, don't let it depart out of your mouth and meditate on it, he's literally saying, you know, where we set our minds on it to the point that we, we, we're talking to ourselves under our breath, so to speak. Right? You realize that I'm sitting here trying to... I, the reason I keep stopping is because I'm, showing you what it look, I'm showing you what it looks like to try to say one thing and think another thing. I couldn't say that sentence and count to ten in my head at the same time. Right? So when we start muttering to ourselves, when we start saying out of our mouths, we're, it's instrumental in helping take control of our thoughts before those thoughts take control of us. So compare abide in the Word in John 15 with do not let it depart from your eyes and ears, Joshua 1.8. Now, go with me uh, to Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4, I want to show you again um, where the Scriptures talk about this. Praise God. Proverbs, the fourth chapter and the 20th verse. Proverbs 4 and 20. My son, give attention to my words. Attention, right? Attention. 
what, what, what did they tell us in school? Pay attention. Pay attention. I catch myself sometimes, and, and, and it's, it's helping, another way it's helping uh, to, to, you know, to train my heart and mind and, and, and grow my faith. But um, I, I like to li- when I drive, I like to listen to the Word or, or um, listen to, you know, Bill Winston, Keith Moore, Brother Copeland, whoever, a lot of folks preach, anointed preaching, Rhema Christos. And, um, but I'll catch myself... My mind, Austin, it'll, it'll drift over, you know, think about what this, whatever. And the next thing I know, I come back to it, and I done, I done miss, you know, a whole section of, the, of, the, of this, whatever I'm listening to, a chapter in the Bible, whatever. Well, my, uh, my iPhone, my, my watch has got a feature where you push the little button, and it'll, carry, it'll back you up 15 seconds, right? And so I'll just reach over there and boom, 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 you know, just back it up a minute or two. Amen. Because... Again, what is that doing? I'm like, I'm correcting myself. I, I should be focused on this. I should be paying attention, right? So we're, 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 we're learning to discipline our inward man. We're learning to discipline um, our soul. David spoke to his soul. He'd say, soul, uh-uh. You come to attention here. We're fixing to give glory to God. We're fixing it. We fix it. And, and, and he would discipline himself and, and, and rein in his thoughts and, and, and concentrate them on paying attention to, giving attention to the words of God. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. If, um, if Pastor Rick was trying to say something to me from way back there, and uh, you know, I, may, I, I put my hand over my ear like this and lean in his direction, that's inclining my ear. If there's a room full of people and a bunch of people are talking and I'm trying to hear what somebody else is saying, I may turn my ear canal, I may turn my ear to them because I'm trying to hear their voice either from a distance or I'm trying to hear a voice amongst other voices. So when he says, incline your ear to my sayings, he's talking about, you know, listen intently to what he's saying, pay attention, give attention, but also to hear what he has to say above all the other voices that are speaking around us. Do not let them, His words, God's words, depart from your eyes. So we're instructed in Joshua from not, to not depart from our mouth. Now He's saying, do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Now, listen to me please. We have to understand that keeping it in our ear and keeping it in our eyes is how we ultimately get it in and keep the Word of God in our hearts. In Jesus' day, the Pharisees, who were over the top about everything, they would have something called phylacteries, where they would literally either put the Word of God in a little pouch on their heads, or they would put this thing like that would you know, go over their headdress, it would come out in front of them and, and, a, and a scripture would hang down out. In, so they would have this contraption on their head and, and a Bible verse would be out in front of them so that even when they walked down the road, the Word of God was, you know, in front of their eyes. Alright? Now, listen, whatever it takes. Okay? But here's the thing. These were the same folks that stripped Jesus naked, beat him almost to death, and killed him, right? So, 
it's not just enough to walk around with it in front of your face. Not just enough for it to be laying, you know, on your bedside table, play, you know, somebody preaching while you're watching TV or driving down the road, you know, daydreaming about what all you got to do today. Are you following what I'm saying? So the idea is before the eyes ever in the ear is how we ultimately get it where it's got to be. It's not enough for it to just be in the eye and the ear. It's ultimately got to penetrate into the heart. So do not let it depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Who determines your internal agenda? You do. You're, you're the one that control. You have that remote control. You're the one that sets that channel. And, and, and we've said it before, we'll say it again. This is the fight of faith. The fight of faith, you know, we, we, we think in terms of, of, of some kind of struggle or, or, or physical wrestling or whatever. No, no, no. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So the fight of faith is not a fist fight. It's, it's a fight within yourself to, to align your thoughts and keep your thoughts, align your words and keep your words aligned, align your actions, keep your actions aligned with the Word of God. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Notice the word let here. That, that word means allow. Don't allow it. Don't allow it to depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. So if the Word of God is powerful enough to make you physically healthier, then what do you think it's doing to the health of your faith that's inward. Let me say it another way, praise God. The Word of God is, is spirit substance. The measure of faith that you have inside of you is spirit substance. He's saying that the spirit substance of the Word will, will produce health benefits in the, in the physical substance of your flesh. So if it's powerful enough to benefit you physically, when it's not even something that is physical, how much more impact will it have upon the spiritual substance of faith that resides within your heart? Life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Could I in encourage you, and again, I'm not, listen to me please, I'm not picking a fight with anybody. I'm just telling you, if your doctor told you tomorrow you need to take, you know, this is a pill bottle, you need to take two of these a day for the rest of your life, or this is what's going to happen to you, there's a pretty good chance that in order to maintain health in your flesh, you're going to take those two pills for the rest of your life or whatever, you understand, know unless obviously the Lord heals you. The point I'm trying to make is we will take physical things into our mouths and swallow them for the potential benefit of, of relieving a symptom at the risk of all kinds of side effects. If you haven't seen it, you need to look it up on the internet. There's this kid who is, um, he's obviously very good at ping pong, but he's playing this adult who is also obviously very good at ping pong. It's some kind of international tournament. And they're, you know, I mean, you know how they do like that. And, uh, and so he gets way like this, he gets way back here, the kid does, and the, the adult does one of those dropout shots where he just barely drops it. 
Well, the kid dives, slides under the table, and all you see go up from the table is he does his paddle up like this. Well, the adult rears back and slams the ball, and when he does, that kid's paddle goes up, and it goes boop, 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 and, and the kid wins the point. It's like, blow, it's like tore up the Internet. And why I'm telling you that right now is I felt like I just needed to duck down behind this pulpit and stick my hand up for a minute. But anyway, are you with me? Hallelujah. If I had it, I'd play it for you right now. It is, it is one of the coolest things ever. All right. Amen. In other words, we will take medicine in hopes of it making something better with a long list of potential things it will make worse. But we ain't got time for the Word. That is what? Health to all your flesh. You might take one thing to help your hip, but it affects your eyesight. You understand? In other words, one thing may be healthy for one part of your flesh, but is detrimental to another part. The Word of God, no, no negative side effects. Only health. Only health. Notice the commitment to keep the Word before your eyes, to keep the Word entering into your ears. This leads to the Word being in where? The midst of your heart. Keep it in the midst of your heart. Okay? You understand in the midst? That means like right up in the middle. Midst. Midst. Keep it in the midst of your heart. One last passage, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Listen to this one. There's that word again. Let, let the word of Christ dwell in you sparsely. Is that what it says? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. He says, let it dwell. Again, in my notes, I did the I-N, new word, Y-O-U, N-U in all caps. He said, let it dwell in you, in you, in you, inside of you, richly. How do we do that practically? Our minds, right? You got it, to get it inwardly, it's got to begin by it being in your mind. Dwelling you richly in that inward part. I know I've said it once, but I'll say it again. That word let, it means allow. You're the gatekeeper here. In, in other words, God has given us His Word. His Holy Spirit is, is if you're born again, His Holy Spirit's in you to help teach you the Word and lead you and guide you into all truth. But we are responsible for letting it dwell in us richly. Richly. Amen? Let it dwell in you richly. Praise God. Now, last thing, and I, I know I keep mentioning this, I, I, we're going to get to the actual verses next week, but we see that there was a woman who had an issue of blood. She'd been sick for a long time. And she went and she touched the hem of Jesus' garment and was made whole. Jesus turned around and says, who touched me? And the disciples looked at him kind of 
you know, like, is this some kind of trick or something? Because there were it was a crowd of people, and you know, it was a bunch of people bumping into him and, and touching him, and 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 um, I think one translation says they were they were thronging him, and yet Jesus said, "Who touched me?" And of course, we know that it was this woman who touched him. So notice now, other people were bumping into him, but she touched him by faith because the Bible says he felt the, the virtue, the healing substance flow out of him into whoever it was that touched him by faith. And, and he wanted to know who just got healed. Right? Now, this to me is... I love it when the Holy Spirit shows me to do something and then later shows it to me in the Scriptures or continually confirms it in the Scriptures. But, but the translation is that she said within herself continually. She said within herself continually. What is she doing? She's abiding in the Word. She's not letting it depart from her mouth. She's keeping it in the midst of her heart. How is she doing that? By saying within herself continually. Saying within herself continually. Now somebody needs to hear this and we'll explain it in greater detail next week, but I just feel so compelled right now, okay? In Genesis, the 18th chapter, and the 14th verse, this is where Father God is having this conversation with Abraham and Sarah. And, um, and he tells them they're going to have a child and it's not going to be Ishmael, it's, it's going to be Sarah getting pregnant and giving birth. And they laugh, and God says, why did you laugh? And they say, we didn't laugh. And then, and then the Lord asks this question. He says this, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything, anything that's too hard for Him? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? His, I'm, come on now, we got to answer this. That's a question pending, right? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? If you hadn't figured this out, I've been saying that within myself now for some time. Praise God. Just say it within yourself. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? No. No. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? See, I just triple dog dare you. Go to sleep tonight. Go to sleep tonight. Just as you get all snuggled in, good night, John Boy, whatever you do at your house, right? You know, amen. I wasn't calling John Mark John Boy. That's Walton's thing. For those of you who don't know the Waltons, right? Amen. Good night, John Mark. Amen. You just get all snuggled in on that pillow, right? Amen. And then just in your mind, is there anything too hard for the Lord? <laughs> no. Is there, is, the, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for the Lord, right? Because what you, man, see, again, you're, you're keeping it in the midst of your heart, man, the enemy all them crazy thoughts, troublesome thoughts that you're trying to plague you with when everything gets quiet now. See, it happens. To, I sees you. I knows you in the spirit, right? You finally get still and quiet and all the lights get turned off and here come that rush of thoughts into your mind 
How are you going to pay this bill? Christmas is coming up. What are you going to do about this? Man, you've got yourself in a mess this time. Blah, 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 blah. And you lay there and, and the devil torments you and he's chipping away at the growth that your faith is trying to make, being here at class and service and all these other things. No, 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 no. See, we... We can't think two things. That t we cannot think two thoughts at the same time. So we're going to keep. Is there anything too hard for the Lord in our minds until we go to sleep? Right? Yes. You hear me? It don't have to be that one, right? One that I don't know how many years now I've been. I've just I go to sleep sometimes saying, you know, I'm one with my father, and my father's one with me. I'm one with my father, and my father's one with me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The greater one's in me. You have overcome because you're of God, little children. And if you're of God and the greater one's in you, if God be for you, see, here we go, right? Amen. Saying within your, what are you saying within yourself? Amen. It's either building up your faith or it's keeping it dormant, keeping it weak, keeping it emaciated. Are you going to let the word dwell in you richly or are you going to keep letting all the way things look, seem, and feel. Grab hold of your thoughts and keep tormenting you with, with worry and doubt and unbelief. Amen. As the Word says, Beloved, I believe better things for you and I believe better things for me. Amen. You get anything out of this? All right, stand with me. Praise God. Father, thank you for the men and women in this room tonight. Thank you, Lord, for showing us just some, some practical things, Father, some simple things. Um, Lord, uh, things that Every person in this room uh, can participate in, on some level, Father, on, in some way, Lord. Father, help us, first of all, to be aware. Lord, it was David who said, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Father, we, we, we need to be uh, mindful of what we're mindful of. We, we need to become aware of, of our own thoughts and thinking and, and, and not just... Uh, uh, leave it to chance or, or just let it go with the flow of this world. And so, Father, help us become aware of what we're saying within ourselves, what, what our thoughts are being consumed uh, with. And, um, and, Father, I thank you uh, that, that you are resurrecting this important fundamental of meditation in our lives, in our families, in our family of faith. Lord, just thank you for this year, this, this final month that's ahead in 2018, we want to finish strong and, and, and Lord, hit the ground with a running head start uh, for what you have prepared for us in 2019. So thank you, Father, for good things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. Thank you for being here tonight. All right, you got some homework. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Amen. Good things coming.